Welcome to The Mindful Apprentice, brought to you by Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. In this podcast series, we want to share stories and information to help everyone make the apprenticeship a success, whether you're an employer or the apprentice. We've interviewed a wide range of apprentices, employers, specialists, charities and clinicians to make this series. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll find it helpful. Hello, I'm Dominic Arkwright. In this programme, how do you get on with your colleagues? The two things that lead people to be excluded from work are mental health problems and musculoskeletal problems. And of the mental health problems, a lot of them are reactionary to the workplace and are usually related to personal relationships, whether that be a work colleague or a manager. Professor James Kingsland is a GP in Wirral and he sees the fallout caused by workplace relationships. That's what we're talking about. Poor mental health is the biggest cause of absence from work and a lot of it has to do with how we get on with our colleagues and our boss. Sir Kerry Cooper is Professor of Organisational Psychology at Manchester Business School. I think the most important aspect of stress at work, there's a lot of things that could trouble you. Yeah unmanageable workloads are just huge and deadlines to meet and all of that. So that a lot of us face. I think the thing that causes the most potential damage is your relationship with your boss and or your colleagues. If they are bad or you're in a culture of a long hours culture, there's no way I can walk out before six, seven o'clock at night. Or in a culture that's command and control, you have no autonomy and control over your work. Those are the things that cause the most trouble, but a lot of those is about to be your line manager. They often say that uh, people join organisations but leave bosses, which I think is quite wise. And, and we know that management style and leadership style is a really big driver of happiness or unhappiness in the workplace. Mark Williamson, Director of Action for Happiness. The thing about stress caused by your boss or your colleagues is that it's often not immediately obvious, not a huge public row in front of other people, more likely a slow burner, according to GP James Kingsland. There can be a very stressful episode that somebody reacts very seriously to. More commonly, there's a series of episodes or a systematic uh, approach where somebody is being made to feel worthless, made to feel isolated, made to feel that they're not doing their job properly. But it's, it's well recognised and certainly in general practice well recognised that a significant number of people do come in week in week out who feel that they have been made ill by their work environment and the environment is to do with the interpersonal relationships in their workplace. Because how other people treat us has a big effect on how we feel and also on how we perform at work chartered occupational psychologist Emily Hutchinson. It's interesting how other people affect our behaviour and our ability to perform, actually. So, you know, we all have had the experience that in what, in front of one person, we, you know, our IQ goes up 10 points and we're brilliant and we're fantastic and we're really pleased with ourselves. And then we're with someone else and our IQ drops, you know, 20 points and we feel stupid and we feel inadequate and we feel as if we've got nothing good to say. But we are, of course, the same person and our brains are the same. They haven't, you know, we haven't dropped IQ points. So there is something about the environment other people create for you. So as an individual, I think recognising that, that it's not always going to be about you. Quite often it will be about the other person. And then finding a way to help the organisation recognise that or the other individual to recognise that is really important. 
and it's important because being picked on or isolated or bullied at work is a big driver of anxiety, stress and depression. Steve Carr had a breakdown at work because he was bullied. I was managed out of the business and, and I was bullied within the business so I wasn't included with anything that was going on in the workplace and I felt that there was huge discrimination there and I felt that being bullied into that place of being put on to the personal improvement plan little did I know at the time but that was actually being bullied into that so being bullied in the workplace that was a horrible experience and one that I'd never want anybody to go through manifested itself in being forgetful sleepless nights um, just not being able to concentrate and just not really paying attention to what I was doing so it was manifesting itself in making it look like I had capability issues when in fact that wasn't the case it was just where my mind was just completely awash with you know what I wasn't addressing completely filling with cortisol that's it it was like brain fog. Um, so this would manifest itself in me being forgetful, my KPIs were not being achieved, I was irritable, I was tired, and then it just got worse and worse and worse where I was using the um, drugs to self-medicate. And that's not as rare as you might think, organisational psychologist Professor Sakari Cooper. Employers tend to know when there's a problem of bullying, and the reason they know, or they should know, is because they have high labor turnover, people coming and going. If you're an employer, you should look at different parts of your organization and you would say to yourself, very high labor turnover there, very high sickness absence, poor performance. There's a whole load of indicators that tell them right away. But HR usually knows who the bullies are. And the research I did many years ago now, where we looked at uh, five and a half thousand people, out of a million, we're looking at a million workers in a variety of different occupations, we found one in ten suffered bullying, which is not a one-off incident. The definition of bullying is persistent demeaning and devaluing of you as an individual. Persistent. It's happening over a pace of time. One in ten at this moment in time right now in the UK are suffering from it today. And let's just remind ourselves why that matters. Paul Reeve is chief executive at the mental health charity Mind in Cornwall. Bullying has a large impact on people's mental health at work and it may not necessarily be conscious bullying. People feel bullied. Um, so actually bullying is defined by how it feels, not by um, what the person who's doing the bullying thinks that it is. And chartered occupational psychologist Emily Hutchinson says if that is how you're feeling, it's time to do something about it. Actually, your feeling is valid. And I guess if you have someone in the workplace that is making you feel uncomfortable in any way, um, you know, it's perfectly valid for you to express that and to feed that back to the organisation. Now, it could be to the individual or it could be to the organisation. The advice really is to be able to express it. Now, I understand, obviously, if you're in that position, you might find that very hard. But again, maybe it's finding someone else in your organisation that you can speak to about that. And we'll go there in a minute, but first, Mark Williamson, Director of Action for Happiness. Well, I think we all know that when we're under a lot of pressure, our, our health may be worse. But the, the data here is really quite startling. So people who have higher psychological well-being as opposed to lower psychological well-being tend to be about half as likely to catch a cold when exposed to the cold virus 
as other people. Uh, about half as likely to experience a major cardiovascular issue like a heart attack or stroke within a given period. And, and generally in, in a major meta-analysis of hundreds of studies, they found that people with higher sort of levels of happiness and well-being uh, not only sort of are generally healthier, but tend to actually live longer, really quite startling. So this, you know, our happiness matters because we care how we feel, but it also has these lifelong implications. So worth doing something about. But we're not great at talking about these things. Here's Simon Blake, Chief Executive of Mental Health First Aid England. Mental health well-being is a really, really big issue. So at its best, it's about us keeping well and about us looking after ourselves and having really purposeful and, and joyful lives. And at its worst, of course, we have um, people with serious mental illness, some of which goes undiagnosed, people with mental health conditions that are not getting the help and support that they need. So this is a topic which has been taboo for too long that people have been worried about talking about and that's why it's so important that we are all absolutely clear that you know, mental health, physical health, it's all part of the same, same thing and that we've got to start talking about it. So the question is when do you talk about it and who to? Consultant psychiatrist Dr Adrian Flynn. So what can you do in those circumstances? Again, one of the key things is to acknowledge it. That can be really, really hard. Um, when, you, when you're in an environment where someone's not treating you well, it tends to happen slowly. And so you, you don't notice it at the start. And gradually uh, that behavior can grow and grow until you, you don't realize that it's, uh, it's having that impact on you. So acknowledging it if you can, or at least just talking to people about how being in the workplace and the environment and the relationships are affecting you. That could be your training provider, a trusted colleague, friends or family. In an ideal world, you should be able to talk to your boss or the colleagues who are causing problems for you. You have that option of trying to talk directly with the colleagues who are involved, but often that's really difficult. Uh, and if that kind of approach hasn't worked, then you need to think about what the line management structures are in your organization. So most organizations, if your direct manager um, is, is your problem, should have an arrangement whereby you can approach the people who are above them. Um, always a difficult thing to do. Um, and therefore, sometimes it's helpful to do that with a colleague or supported by your union. Um, and, uh, and that gives you an opportunity to, to ideally raise the problem as, a, uh, as something that you're uh, keen and uh, eager to seek a solution to um, and, and that you're there to help uh, as much as anything. Um, and, and, and that's, again, a somewhat idealistic way of approaching uh, this, but, but that's, a, that's one of the key ways in which your organisations could and should respond positively to a, to a challenge. But that's not always so easy, according to Steve Carr, who suffered depression and PTSD because of bullying. The difficulty is, is with employers, that I was just reading the statistics this morning, that 95% of employees would rather phone in sick with an excuse than tell them it's about their mental health. So that actually says to me that there's a really big need for more understanding from management level downwards, and it has to have a buy-in from them. So did my employees know? No, absolutely not. Could I tell them? No, because of the risk of being made to look weak, uh, the fear of my job, and you know, just fearing for everything that I'd built up in that organisation. 
um, not been looked upon the same with my managers or, or even my work colleagues. Uh, so I chose not to tell them for those reasons. But a good employer should want to know about any problems. Here are Julia Wildfire Roberts and Emma Russell from the mental health charity Pentreath in Cornwall. Most people want to know. You know, that they will want to know if a person that they're employing and that they have a day-to-day relationship with is feeling a certain way. The sooner you deal with it, the sooner it can be it can be worked with. If the manager isn't particularly supportive, I would be looking at things like, do you have a staff rep? Do you have a mental health first aider? Is there somebody other than your manager that might be in a managerial position that you would feel more comfortable speaking to? If the answer is no to all of those, I would be encouraging people to look externally then for support. So your GP... And we'll hear more about where you can turn for help in another programme. But the point, again, is don't just suck it up, talk about it. Next time, how to spot the signs of stress and anxiety, both in yourself and in other people. Until then, I'm Dominic Arkwright. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Mindful Apprentice. We hope you found something in it which was helpful to you or perhaps a colleague or friend, whether you're a new starter or a seasoned professional. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in the podcast or want to find out more about organisations which can provide help and support, go to sawiot.ac.uk forward slash The Mindful Apprentice. <laughs>